This morning, we're going to start this message. It's a special message as we bring this year to a close from um, the book of Numbers. <laughs> and we're going to be in chapter 13. So if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, feel free to do so. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. But the text will also be on the screen for you as well. We're going to jump around um, in this chapter, and we're going to be looking specifically at a very powerful story in the Old Testament. To give you a little backdrop what's happened, God has miraculously, powerfully, amazingly rescued his people from bondage and slavery from Egypt. He has performed signs and wonders that like no one had ever even remotely seen. We've seen the plagues of Egypt. We've seen them actually leave from being slaves and occupants of Egypt to like people taking off the jewelry, giving it to the Israelites, like get out of here. Like just giving them, giving them like their gold and their jewelry and even cattle and saying, leave, get out of our land. And God has rescued them and brought them through the Red Sea. There's been wonder after wonder. And they're on the border of the promise that he has had for them. And he has provided for them and he's taken care of them this entire journey. But as they're on the border, Moses is sitting here and he, he realizes they're about to move into a land that none of them have ever even remotely seen. And so they select 12 men from one man from each of the tribes of Israel and they send them into the land as spies. And they send them with the intention of saying, this is the land that God has in store for us. This is the promise he has for us. Go and scout it out. And this is the story that takes place with that. So read along with me. And it says, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. The land I am giving to the Israelites. Notice there, he's not saying this is the land that you might end up occupying. This isn't the land that you hopefully will end up occupying. This is the land I'm giving to you because I'm going with you. Send them out. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. And Moses gave them in these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many. See what land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do they have towns? Do their towns have walls? Are they unprotected or do they like open camps is the soil fertile or is it poor are there many trees do your best to bring back samplings of the crops that you see it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes and so they went out and they explored the land from the wilderness of zen as far Reb and to lebo hamath that's my best shot at those words okay <laughs> here we go verse 25 after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen. They showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it's indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. That used to freak me out as a kid. I would read that and I'm like, did their rivers, was it like literally milk? <laughs> Like, that sounds disgusting, but it's not. It's just a, it's a statement. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large, and they're fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people 
as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. And so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Today, we're going to look at and having an entering mindset. What does it look like to have the type of mindset as we enter into 2022 that God has in store for your life, for this church, for this city, for your family, for the people around you? And we're going to look back to this incredible story and see some of the nuances that uh, apply to it and, and how, it, how it really applies to our lives, even specifically this year as we move into the next one. So let's go to God and invite his presence to come and speak, invite him to come and move in our midst, but also to challenge our hearts today. Father, we come before you. Jesus, we are so thankful for who you are and what you've done. God, we thank you for your hand on our lives and that you are the God who's protected us, who has provided for us, who has watched out for us. And God, we pray that today through your word that you would speak to each one of us in might and in power. God, for the hearts in this room today that might be hurting or wounded or maybe just feels like they're at the end of their rope, I pray that you would breathe courage and boldness once again. I pray that you would give them eyes to see past even their situation and what they're facing right now in this moment to see instead what you have in store for them. Lord, I pray that your presence would just rest in this room that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us by your word. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. This is one of the weirdest weeks of the year, in my opinion. I, I like to call it the week of limbo. <laughs> this is that, it's that week where like Christmas and Thanksgiving has kind of finished, but yet the new year hasn't really started, and you're kind of left in that weird phase of like, okay, what are we going to do? Do we do we take the Christmas decorations down? Or some of you are like, we did that already. <laughs> as soon as that last gift was unwrapped, we were putting the tree away. You know, throwing the, my wife, she likes to take them down really, really fast as the kids are screaming, no. They want to hang on to it as long as they possibly can. But it's this week of limbo. It's this week where it just feels like, okay, well, what's happening next? What are we supposed to do? Um, some of you, you might even be off work, and it's like that weird phase of like, okay, do I start prep for the next year? Should I spring clean even though it's not spring clean? Like, well, what should I really be doing in this, in this midst of this time? But in my opinion, this is actually one of my favorite weeks of the year because it's one of the things I do more, uh, one of the most significant things I do all year. And it's a moment where I, every year, I pause and I take an extended amount of time where I look back so that I can look forward. I look back at the year and I look back at my life and I look back, okay, what has God been doing this entire past year in me? Or what, what things have I been dealing with? What, what happened to my life or maybe to my family's life? And what does God really have in store for me? Or what is he challenging me to do in the coming year? This is something that I almost always typically do 
on the, the New Year's Day, I, I, I the, usually January 1, I go, I wake up really early and I go find my, my, like a place, maybe it's Starbucks or Panera or somewhere like that, and I camp out and I literally spend about four hours there where I've got like a series of questions that I walk through every single year and I plan and I think about the, week, the, the year that's coming in ahead. And, but not just from like, what do I want to accomplish or what do I want to do? I'm also asking God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? And, and, I, and I find that because what can happen sometimes is we can get so affected by what's happened in our life that we just kind of get into survival mode. Right? It's just get through the day, get through the day, get through this day, get through the next day. And we don't even maybe sometimes think ahead as to what God could possibly have in store for our lives. Whereas I feel like this week becomes a perfect opportunity to do that. Many times though this week, it's, it's just a week it feels like exhaustion. And it can kind of create in us a mindset of like almost dreading the new year. Maybe we're tired of traveling. We're tired of visits. You're tired of having people at your house. Maybe you're tired of the parties or of the responsibilities. Or you're trying to decide based on weather. Do I take the Christmas lights down outside or do I? <laughs> this would be probably a good week to do it because it's nice out. And knowing the way our weather works next week, we'll probably have like a ton of snow. <laughs> But one of the most significant things that can happen is we use this time in our thoughts to remember and process, to think, and then sometimes it's even to make decisions or resolutions. And what I want to talk about this morning, though, is, is developing an entering mindset. What will this year bring? What will I do? Who will I continue to become as a follower of Jesus? If we're being honest, the last few years have not left us looking at January 1 too promising. I, I, let's, let's go to the next slide. I want to I show you this meme that I saw on, um, I think it was Facebook. This is what it said. Nobody claimed 2022 is your year. We're all going to walk in real slow. <laughs> be good. Be quiet. Be cautious. Be respectful. Whatever, whatever you do, don't touch anything, <laughs> right? But can I tell you something? There's something seriously wrong with that mindset, and it's because what's happening is we've been so affected by the last few years and what's happened in our society, what's happened in our culture, what's happened that's going around us, that it's left us even dreading the new year. But can I tell you something? God has a plan for 2022. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for our city. And God has a plan for 2022. He's got a plan, and it's good. He does. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it and be glad. We need that kind of mindset back, don't we? Some of us, we have been so hurt and there's been so much that's gone on that like it's almost like we're dreading the next day. And I would say I, need, I think we need to get past that. There's fear and trepidation and there's an attitude or even a broken mindset that wants us to miss this truth. Listen to me. The enemy wants you to miss the fact that God is good, that he is still in control. That the last two years has not thrown his plan off course. And that he still has good things he wants to do in your life and to do through your life. See, this is what I want you to realize is that as we have this mindset of like, 
always thinking like the bad is going to happen necessarily. We can t- attempt, to, it attempts to cause us to forget who God is, all that he's done, and the fact that he is still on the throne moving. And when we forget that, when we forget who he is, what he's done, and what he can do, we in turn are left then looking at just our environment, our circumstances, our situations, and what surrounds us, and we will make determinations based off of that evidence, and that's scary, isn't it? Because if you're going to make determinations just based off of your feelings or just based off of what you see in that moment, we can make some pretty bad decisions. And we can walk into it going like, man, this is going to be the worst year of my life ever. And it hasn't even happened. (laughs) But God has a plan. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your family. The enemy, though, instead... He wants you to walk into this next year with fear, trepidation, with a critical spirit, with anger, frustration, and the feeling of hopelessness. You know, Scripture is not lost to that. It's not lost to us looking from a broken mindset. See, in this story from Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we see this really interesting thing happen. The story goes like this. Moses is on the, the, they're on the cusp of walking into God's promise, okay? This is God's blessing. So I, I want you to think about it from this perspective. Let's imagine there's just a line right here. And this is, this is the land, once you walk past this line, you enter into Canaan. And when you enter into this land, this is the God saying, hey, I have prepared all of this in store for you. This is my blessing. I have scouted it out even ahead of you, and I have that in store for you, and I'm going to take you into it, and it's going to be a land of plenty, and you're going to be blessed, and this is my great blessing for you, but you have to enter into it. But they're used to slavery. They're used to brokenness. They're used to waking up every single day and going, well, tomorrow's going to be just as bad as today. I wonder what's going to happen. Am I going to get beat even worse by my slave drivers? Am I going to even have food? Am I going to go to bed tonight with my whole family intact? There's this mindset that's broken. And God has rescued them from their slavery. And he's bringing them to their promise. But the problem is, is that they're stuck in a broken mindset. So Moses goes and he goes, all right, we need to scout the land to know where kind of things are so as we enter it, we know where to kind of go. So he, he goes across all the 12 tribes, and he goes to each tribe, and he doesn't pick an insignificant person. He picks a leader. He picks someone who represents that entire tribe. So the people who are about to go into the land as spies, they are the leaders that represent that particular tribe. And he goes and he selects 12 of them, and he goes to them and he goes, look, all right, God has given us this land. It's ours. We're going in no matter what. We're going to go in. I just want you to go. I need you to scout out the land. Tell me where things are, what it looks like. And they're okay. And they go out there and they do their thing. And it says they come back and they've got like giant, entire massive grapevines with like huge grapes. It's like delicious. I don't know. I hate grapes. This whole story is lost on me. I picture it as like they're coming back with like steak, okay? They're like, hey, Moses, here's a ribeye. And he's like, ooh, let's go into this land. You know, that would be like me. But they bring it back and they bring back the produce of the land And they come back after having been gone for 40 days, and they spread a report among God's people. And they go, oh, man, is it amazing. The blessing is greater than you could possibly imagine. But we can't do it. 
you notice what happened in that moment? They described the blessing. They even revealed the blessing. But they based their determination upon their capability. We cannot go. The land itself will devour us. Can't do it. Because there's giants there. In our eyes, we look like grasshoppers to them. And oh, by the way, in their eyes, we also look like grasshoppers. I'm like, really? Did you, did you do a poll of the people in the land? Well, everyone who thinks we look like a grasshopper raised their hand. No, they didn't, you know, like, and here's what we know. In fact, that's not true because what we're going to find 40 years later is they actually enter into the land. They go to this, this city called Jericho. You remember this story? Just saying it maybe as a kid, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. They go into the city, and they're actually housed by a prostitute who protects them during this time. And she's like, hey, if I protect you, whenever you come and take over the city, will you protect me? And they're like, yeah. And she goes, good, because we're terrified of you. This is 40 years later. She's like, we've heard wind of your God. We've heard wind of what he's done. And for years, we have lived in terror of you coming. But guess what? These people that have the broken mindset, they think the people think of them as grasshoppers because they are walking into it with a broken mindset. All night long, it says they go from person to person. Basically, they're going from camp to camp, tent to tent, and they're going, we can't do it. Tomorrow, when it comes, whatever you do, if you care about your children, right? It's always about the kids, right? You know, save the children. <laughs> they're like, if you care about your children, we have to stop this. This is insanity. We can't go into God's promise. We can't go into Canaan. Next morning happens. The whole community has turned on Moses and on Joshua and Caleb, the only two who walked in without a broken mindset. And it says that Joshua and Caleb come before them and they're like, please hear us. God is on our side. This is the blessing he has in store for us. We need to enter into it. And the rest of the community goes, let's stone them. I'm not joking. This is the plan they come up with. They go, we're going to kill Joshua. We're going to kill Caleb. We'll take out Moses. We'll elect a new leader. And we will head back to slavery. We'll go back to Egypt. You see, this is the truth. If we look at our life and God's plan from the mindset of our circumstances, we will see God's blessing as a curse. And instead, we will see our slavery as comfort. Let me say that again. If we look at our life in this world from the broken mindset like the Israelites did, if we're looking at it from that mindset, we will see God's blessing as a curse, and we will see our slavery as comfortable. And we will long to return to it. Their plan is to literally take out God's appointed leaders and head back to where they were beaten and their children had been murdered. Because the blessing that God had in store for them, they couldn't see it through their broken mindset. Now, before we get too hard on the Israelites, can I tell you that there's a lot of, there's a lot of lives right now that we're looking at that next year along the exact same lines. 
We're looking at it and going, God, like, I can't even imagine that you could even do anything good after these last two years. I want us to think about that. What does it look like to see the promise through the lens of the problem? What does it look like to see the promise through the lens of the problem? Number one, this was their issue. It was their attitude. It was their outlook. It's their mindset. And in their midst, in this mindset, this mindset specifically doomed them. They forgot their mission. That's tragic. They were not sent there to make a determination, should we go? Do you remember that? Nowhere did Moses go, hey, I don't know if we should go or not. (laughs) This was never a question. It was never like, I need you to go to find out how strong they are to determine if we should just camp here in the wilderness for the next, we'll make the wilderness our home forever. That was not God's plan. That was not their plan. The promise is waiting on them, but they forgot their mission. The spies forgot their responsibility, and they forgot their influence because they forgot their God. They forgot the fact that their choices impacted others, and so do ours. Who hears your mindset? Do you see God's promise from your life through the lens of your problem? Or do you see the problem through the lens of God's promise? There's a big difference between the two. If I look at my situation and if I look at God based on my circumstances, what I'm doing, I like to call it this, it's called shrinking thinking. What I'm doing is I'm I am magnifying my current situation, my circumstance, my trial, my temptation, the thing that's happened, and I keep blowing it up, blowing it up, blowing it up, blowing it up, because I keep looking at all the evidence that's around me. And in doing so, I make it massive. And then when I look at God, I shrink, 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 shrink him. And then my problem looks far stronger than my God. See, that's what happened. They, they lost track of the mission. They saw God's promise through the lens of the problem that rested in front of them. Secondly, their fear caused them to look for reasons not to move. It caused them to look for reasons not to move. They saw problems in the place of opportunity and in the place of possibility. <laughs> How many of you ever know that a lot of the greatest opportunity that's ever come into your life actually first looked like a problem? I'll just be honest, some of the greatest blessings that you have ever had have only come because at first you had to go through and walk through adversity. On the surface, it didn't look like a promise, and it didn't look like opportunity, it didn't even look like possibility. Canaan from their eyes initially, listen, Joshua and Caleb saw the same giants that everybody else did. But you know what they did? They saw those giants, those giants through the lens of the promise. They're like, man, that dude is big. <laughs> it's going to be cool to see him fall. <laughs> Everybody else were like, man, that dude is big. We can't do this. Same exact, same exact picture, two completely different mindsets. Their fear caused them to look for reasons not to move. They saw their circumstances as bigger than it really even was, and they began to daydream evil. Oh, man, do we not do this. When fear and anxiety take over our heart, have you noticed how quickly we can start daydreaming evil? 
Let me explain to you what I mean by this. It's one of my favorite stories because it's true. It was a fall retreat. I'm at the altar, and I'm praying with this kid. This is over 12 years ago. And this is a kid I did his wedding not that long ago, and he comes walking up to me, and he's his senior year, and he's about to go off to college, and he comes up to me at the altar. Now, this kid is like straight-A student, like one of the smartest kids I have ever met in my entire life, and he's got tears running down his face. And I'm like, man, what's wrong? And I'm like, how can I pray for you? He's like, Pastor Josh, I got an F on my test. And I'm like, cool, your first one ever. Welcome to the club, champ. You know, <laughs> you know, I didn't say that to him. I thought it in my head. I allowed the Holy Spirit to filter that. Right? But listen, listen to the, the mindset. This is what happens. As he's looking at me, this is what happens. He goes, because of that, now I'm not going to get into this college. And because I'm not going to get into this college, this is going to happen. And because that's going to happen. Within five minutes, as he's sitting here just like rapid fire talking to me, he has told me how that one grade has got him to the point he thinks in five years he's going to be homeless. Right? And I grabbed him by the shoulders and I was like, you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know? Like, have you ever had that moment where, like, you, you just feel like you just need someone to smack you and just be like, it's going to be okay. Like, that was that moment. I didn't smack him. But I grabbed him by the shoulders and I was like, it's going to be okay. Like, this kid was brilliant. He had one mistake, one episode, but he had allowed it. We do the same thing. Ooh, before we beat up on him, do we not? The second we start getting stressed, the second we start getting worried, or even as we look into the future, we start thinking, well, this could go wrong, and that could go wrong, and that could go wrong. And because of that, next thing we know, we have daydreamed evil. And we have started thinking about what the Israelites had done that. They had gotten to the point by the time morning comes and Moses is there and he's before them. They're like, you want to take us into the land to slaughter our children? God just wants to kill us there. Can you imagine God in heaven going, you've got to be kidding me, <laughs> right? He's like, I've got you on, I have brought you out of slavery. I have fed you every single day with bread from, from heaven. You haven't even had to like, you haven't even had to plant anything. I'm just like, poof, bread loaf. I've given you water from a rock. <laughs> that would be cool. I still wish I could see that miracle. Can you imagine like Moses just like taps a rock and suddenly it's like a, a fire hydrant's just shooting out water. That'd be like the greatest thing. They've seen all of this, which is also proof to us that miracles do not necessarily create faith. They've witnessed God provide for them time and time again. And when he has them on the greatest blessing, they see the blessing as a curse because of their broken mindset. They forgot their mission. They were looking for reasons not to move. They daydreamed evil. They used a sense of safety even to keep them from moving. Think of the children. They made determinations of their outlooks. Remember, they said, we look like grasshoppers to them, and they thought that too. Did you go up and ask them? No. They're hiding in the bushes, scouting the land. They're not walking up going, hey, do I look tough to you? They're, they're making assumptions, but do we not do the same thing? You know what that person really thinks of me? You know what my boss thinks of me? Without even knowing it, we're actually adding what people think, and we're making determinations upon what they think, even though we've never asked them what they actually think. And suddenly we start to think that everyone's against us, and that we're alone, and that we're isolated, and that no one understands what we're going through, 
and that we're hurting and that if anyone even remotely, we start doing all these things, but guess what? Let me ask you a question. Who would want you to feel that way? Your enemy. You ever watch those National Geographic shows? The lion never attacks the herd. He attacks the straggler. He attacks the one that has isolated themselves off alone. See, the enemy wants you to feel alone. He wants you to feel like all these people think these things about you. And he wants you to think these things because, again, as he can prey on that broken mindset and pull you away from God's people, pull you away from life-giving community and make you think that. You will start making determinations of what other people are thinking even not knowing what they're thinking. Which ultimately did this. It caused the nation of Israel to hate those who loved them. Think about this with me for a second. They turned their back on God, but they also turned their back on Moses, on Joshua, and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb are like, I've seen the land of blessing and God has in store. We can do it. And they're like, cool, we'll kill you. <laughs> like, that's the worst thing ever. You're like, I, I'm just telling you, I know that God can come through. And suddenly they're like, we don't even want your voice in this anymore. We're going to stone you to death, elect a new leader, and we're going to go on our own. But listen to God's language. God looks at their actual words, and this is what they said. They said, the Lord must hate us. He has brought us here to be slaughtered. God's words used to describe this attitude. He says this, they have rebelled against my commands. They have refused to obey and to move into my blessing. And they have refused to listen to my voice. He knows that they've chosen the voice of fear instead. He says, they have treated me with contempt. They turn their back on Moses. They're turning towards hate to anyone that could possibly not want to join them. And lastly, they desired to go back to slavery. Can I tell you one of the most dangerous things about a broken mindset as we look at the promise through the lens of the problem? We will long for slavery. Anytime God has something in store for you, the enemy hates that. I used to always end any type of major like retreat with the teenagers or with some type of a campaign or something that we're reminding people, hey, guess what? Tomorrow's probably going to be one of the worst days of your life. Because the enemy senses and he knows when God's doing something in you. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had that moment where like you had one of the greatest breakthroughs in your life where God came down where he spoke to you and then the next day was like the worst day of your life? That's not coincidence. The enemy hates what God is doing in you, and he despises what God wants to do through you. And his desire is as you start to walk towards God's blessing and God's plan and his promise for your life, he's going to do everything he can to make slavery feel comfortable. They're like, hey, back when we were in Egypt, we got the scraps from Pharaoh's table. The scraps. They're longing after the scraps when they just got brought to them massive grapevines. They're walking into a land that's been described as milk and honey, but they're like, let's go back to scraps. It's comfortable, I know that. I know slavery, I've done that for a long time. See, they're seeing the promise, 
through the lens of the problem. And so God punished them for this mindset. God says, as the earth is filled with my glory, not a single one of you who conspired against me will enter it. You have seen my glorious presence. You have witnessed my miraculous signs, yet you have chosen to refuse to listen to my voice and you have treated me with contempt. And so he says, every single one of this generation will die in the wilderness. You will not see the promise. Oh, and those kids, those kids that you thought that I was bringing you there so your children could be slaughtered, they're going to enter it. You chose not to enter because you were thinking of the safety of your children. He's like, well, your children, the ones you were terrified for, they will enter the land. But you will not. And then they go, oh, no, we made a mistake. Let's go attack right now. And God's like, I'm not with you. And they're decimated. And for the next 40 years, they wander in the wilderness until that generation completely dies off and the next generation enters See, the truth is this. We need to have an entering mindset. We need to see the problem through the lens of the promise. Can I encourage you today to scout 2022? So they answered Joshua. This is years later. This is in Joshua chapter 1. This is the children. This is, listen to their voices. Notice how it's different from their parents. They answered, Joshua, we will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. Be strong and courageous. I love this. Those kids, they had wandered the wilderness, and they're like, "Mm -mm, I'm done. I've been on the edge of the blessing for a long time, and I want in. I want to taste what God has in store. I will do what God commands, and I will go where he goes, and I will look at it differently. We're not going to be like our parents. We're not going to make those mistakes. Some of you are here, and maybe you're sitting here, and you're going, you know what? Maybe this sounds really, really great for a younger person, but I feel like I'm at a stage of life where I just don't know. Oh, hang on. (laughs) You know who goes and who leads them? Caleb and Joshua. Caleb's old at this point. Caleb goes, no, 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 I'm not sending my boys in before me. Give me my sword. And not only that, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. See, there was many, many years before, 40 years before, whenever he scouted, Caleb had went through and he saw that there was this this mountain, this hill country, this, this area, and he wanted that for him and for his tribe. And he had saw it, and he knew, and he, had, and he had made plans with Moses. And Moses was like, I'll give you that land. Well, now the day has come. And everyone's thinking probably Caleb's going to be riding in the back, you know, maybe just on the horse or on the cart. And he's like, no, no, no. He looks at Joshua, and he goes, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> he goes, I know what Moses said. He goes, give me my mountain. You know what? He asked for the toughest territory to take. He asked for the hill country. He asked for the area that would take the bloodiest of battles. He asked for the area that would be hard to take. But Caleb's like, no, 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 no. That's my blessing. And me and my people, we're going. He goes, my hand today is as strong as it was 40 years ago. Give me my sword. We're taking the mountain. That's an entering mindset. That's a mindset that scouts and goes, no, no. If God has it for me, then he can come through. Caleb's not basing it off of his ability. He saw the land. 
He looked at the mighty walls. He looked at the hilled country. He looked at it and he goes, there is no way in the physical we can do this, but we serve a big God. He says, my God can come through for us. And so he says, many years later, he's like, give me my mountain. We need to scout 2022. And in order to do that, if we're going to have that mindset, number one, we have to remember. Scouting begins with remembering because remembering shifts our mindset. Israel had forgotten 40 years earlier and they had willfully chose not to remember. Those men that entered the land, they were both the, the people were presented with two different messages, and they latched on to one that determined their fate. They forgot God was for them and with them. That night, they received two reports. One that came from ten people, one that came from two. The ten said, we can't do this. The land will devour us. There's no hope. But there was two. There was Joshua and Caleb that said, that's ours, and our God is good, and our God is for us. Let's go. Let's do what he's commanded. Can I tell you something? Your present circumstances want to distract you from remembering. Your present circumstances want to distract you from remembering. If you're here today, you're incredibly blessed by God. You're breathing. God's come through. I say this all the time, but if I had a, a list right now that I had to start writing down one by one the countless ways that God's provided and been there for me and protected me and been, I would run out of paper. There wouldn't be enough paper in the world to fill it up. See, there's a beauty. What happens is this. You know that they've done studies. I'm not talking about Christian studies. I'm talking about scientific studies where they have found that fear and thankfulness cannot occupy the brain at the same time. See, what happened is this. They remembered what God can do. We need to have that same mindset where we're going, God, I remember that you are good and that you're for me. As I look at 2022, I remember the fact that, man, you've protected me, you've provided for me, you've been there for me. You are the God that is for me, not against me. You're the God that has saved me, that has rescued me, that has ransomed me, and that has redeemed me. You're the God who has walked by my side, hand by hand. That there's moments in my, my guess is that for many of you in this room, there's moments in your life where it looked like you were not going to make it, but you're here. And he came through. See, we need to remember, and that's what they were being challenged with. God is challenging them. Remember who I am. Be thankful. Bring to memory what God has done. Remember, it's he who empowers us and fuses us with courage. Because as we remember, those thoughts shape our perspective. We remember what God has done. You know, in the Old Testament, they would pray prayers, and they would often begin them with this. They would say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You ever read those prayers? You know, you're reading it and you're like, why did they say it that way? You know why they started their prayer that way? They were bringing to memory what God had done. The God of Abraham, who took him from a foreign land and brought him into blessing. The God of Isaac, the miracle child, who should never have been able to be born, but it was a blessing from God. The God of Jacob, if he can do something with him, he can do something with any of us. 
the one who was the trickster, swindler, deceiver, the one whose life was jacked up. If God can rescue and redeem him, what can he do in our lives? The God of Joseph. The God who the first half of his life looks like nothing but the worst sad sob story in the history of forever to turns it into one of the greatest blessings ever. They did that to remember. Number two, we need to pre-decide obedience. Notice what those people said to Joshua. They said, we will do, we will go, we will move, and we will obey. They knew the battle was worth the blessing. They made a choice before they even had to make a choice. Years would pass and that choice would present itself again. Do you want what God's promised? And they're going, we are going into the land. What do you think and believe about God? They chose to enter blessing despite the obstacles they knew they would face. 2022 will have obstacles. I'm not going to sit here up today and be like, oh, it's going to be the best year of your entire life and nothing is bad going to happen. We, no one in this room believes that. I'm not asking you to walk into the next year blindly going, oh, it's just going to be the best year of my life and everything's going to be peachy keen. They knew there would be battles, but they knew the blessing was in store. And we need to prepare. Joshua chapter 1, 7 through 9 says this, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in all you do. Notice what Joshua is saying here. He's looking at the people and he's saying, he, he's not giving them like this, make sure your sword's with you and attack from the right and like all these battle plans for how to be successful. He says, be careful to obey all the instructions. Don't deviate, turning to the right or left and you'll be successful. Study the book of instruction. Study God's word continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice what God connects to their success. Not their military might, their training, or their strategy. Study the book of instruction. Meditate on it day and night. Only then will you be prosperous and succeed. As you prepare for this next year, our actually first series of next year is one that's just simply called Let's Grow. And it's a look at the heart behind all the spiritual disciplines. That we would have a life that says, God, I'm going to make a plan to grow spiritually. And I want to, I want to know you. I want to grow in you, and then I want to show your life to the world through my life. But can I just challenge you today to think through, who are you becoming? Is your mindset so broken that slavery looks comfortable? Or are you going to enter with a mindset that says, God, I believe. I don't know what it is you have in store for me, but you're not done. And I know you have a plan for my life. God, I want to dive into the resources you've given me. I want to grow spiritually. I want to, I want to know you. I want to grow in you. And I want to show who you are to a world that's hurting and that's broken. Next year. Just to give you a little bit of idea where we're going as a church. In January, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 1 and 119. And we're going to be looking at 
Again, let's grow. Immediately after that, we're going to have eight weeks where we're going to be looking at things like stress and worry and anxiety and fear and anger. And we're going to look at how the enemy likes to take our thoughts and actually steal from us, but how God has better things in store for us. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. One of your greatest battlegrounds ever is what happens here. And God says that we're supposed to take every thought captive. And it starts with an entering mindset. It starts with that saying, okay, God, I believe that next year you do have good things in store. And I'm going to step into what you've called for me to do. Because if you don't have that mindset, can I just tell you something? Whenever it gets to that moment, as January 1 starts to hit, you're just going to be dreading the year going. It's going to be as bad as last year. It's going to be this. And you're making all these declarations over your life and things that are going to happen. When in reality, God, there's someone that he's going to put in your life next year that you're supposed to influence and have impact over. He wants to use you mightily. From there, we're going to go into the summer. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. In the fall, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 139. We're going to invite God to search our hearts. We're going to have a series on the Holy Spirit and how he directs us. He convicts us. He fills us. And he gives us good gifts for the purpose of building the church. And then he sends us out to be witnesses to the world. And then that will lead us into the very end of next year with Advent. There's multiple small groups and places here at the church you can get connected in relationships and grow, grow together. And then on your chairs as well, we're really excited about this. If you're wanting to continue to just grow in your faith, be a part of Deeper. Deeper is an opportunity to dive deep into God's word and go, how is it going to affect my life? In the spring, we're going to look at how some of the greatest attacks that the world is going to try to put and be like, hey, your faith is unreasonable. You shouldn't even remotely believe it. You're going to see how that, like, their entire argument can be flipped on its head and proven how good God really is. And the suburb, Ray Schultz, in the back, you want to wave your hand real quick, Ray? He's going to lead us through um, a deeper going through the blood covenants. The different covenants are in the Bible, and so we can understand that and grow in those. In the fall, we're going to pick back up in the Gospel of John, and we're going to have another deeper foundation. There's going to be a lot of opportunities this coming year to say, God, I want to grow in the faith. But the question is, what kind of mindset do you have? question is, as you look at this next year, are you looking, saying, God, how do you want to use me? Or are you looking, going, I don't even want to think about what next year is going to bring. Those are two entirely different perspectives. I plead with you today to say, God, would you take this mind? Would you take this life? Would you shape it and form it to be used for your glory? Because God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for this church. And I don't care how dark your circumstance might feel. And I don't care how big those giants might seem. Our God is bigger. And maybe tonight... Today, you need to just whisper into your soul and remind yourself, my God's big. See, that's what Joshua and Caleb did. When they saw those giants, they didn't see them as like, I'm a grasshopper. They looked at them, and I just wonder if both of them kind of laughed, and they're like, I just wonder how God's going to take them out. 
They saw possibility where everybody else saw problem. They saw opportunity where everybody else saw a curse. What do you have in store for this year? What are you saying that God's going to do or what he can do or what he will do? The defining difference of Joshua and Caleb is they had been changed by their time in God's presence. And so they saw opportunity where all others just saw difficulty. And I can tell you something. We too need to be defined by time in God's presence. Would you stand with me this morning as we bring this to a close? Would you just take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want you to, as you're just standing there, to ask yourself this question. What is my mindset? What's my mindset? I can't answer that for you. I wish I could. Are you sitting here and you are resonating with that meme that says, no one claimed 2022 is your year. We're going to be good, walk in real slow, be quiet, don't touch anything. Or are you saying, God, next year is going to be a defining year as I trust you more, as I serve you more, as I grow in my relationship with you. As you uniquely use me to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Can we, I plead with you. I plead with you. Can we resonate with the sound of the Israelites, that second generation that says, God, we'll do whatever you command us. God, we will go wherever you send us. God, we will obey you. God, help us be strong and courageous. What is that thing that this year that maybe God has in store that you haven't even remotely thought about it because all you have seen was difficulty and problem, but today maybe God's shifting your eyesight to see, no, there's opportunity and there's blessing.